So naturally, the big question is, you know, how do we counter this focused attention on only humanity that we see rampant in our society? This idea that all you see is all you get, this closed universe ideology, that there is nothing beyond what you see. There is nothing beyond this world. How do you counter that? Well, I think as Christians, we need to refocus on the sacred. Wander, fascination, reflection, meditation, all Christian disciplines essential for the contemplation of the divine and of divine things are nullified and nearly impossible in a culture that is saturated with technological distractions and group thinking. So we need to get off by ourselves sometimes and recover those prayerful things in Christianity in order to counter humanitarianism. What is highest in man finds its ultimate source in what is higher than humanity. Humanity cannot be its own apex. Think about it. When one's ideals ascend no higher than the self, then discipleship or striving seems irrelevant. And this is why we must rediscover a fervent devotion to Christ. Holy communion, for example, must be just that, communion with the holy, the divine. A meal exploding with transcendence. Ah, heavenly meal, but on earth. God with us, communing with us. Instead of eating at the table of the Caesar, Caesars of this world, we eat at the banqueting table of King Jesus. We cannot allow the redefining of our faith in humanitarian terms. Making disciples for life necessitates forging an uncompromising Christian culture. That is, there are just some things that we as Christians do that are very distinct from the culture around us, and we should not be ashamed of them. Our worship life was meant to reflect this. In our worship, we always start off declaring who it is who we adore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we declare that we will have no other God or gods, including human humanity, before him. Does this sound all too political? Well, yes. Because just remember that Christianity is hotly political. We have a king. We live in a kingdom. There is one Lord. He has a kingdom ethic that is different from the world. 
we have allegiance to that kingdom ethic. We have the pledge. We even recite it in church, the pledge of the creed. Think about it. And we have those Ten Commandments by which we live. Those identity-making markers are built into the life of the church. Baptism, it's what marks us as identifiably Christian. Holy Communion, it's what marks us as identifiably Christian. It is in these identifiable markers that we love one another and forge a family around a family table. And we don't see or live in a closed universe. We don't accept that. We believe in life after death. And we believe that great loves are meant to endure. But they only do that in Christ. You won't get that anywhere else. It is interesting that even though in secularism, what you see is what you get. And when you die, you just go back to the ground and that's it. There still is, in some, a deep anxiety about death among people today. And that's been brought to the forefront through this whole pandemic. Though they say that nothing is transcendent, there is this haunting among those who don't believe that maybe there is something out there. They have this sneaky suspicion that there really is something beyond. Their reason says no, there can't be, but their conscience says maybe. And for this, Christianity has the answer, and we should not be ashamed of that. And so in the church, we need a revival of some sort of traditional values and maybe even some traditional practices. After all, we are the people who believe that there is an overlap between the imminent and the transcendent. We are the people who believe that Jesus is that overlap between what can be seen and what can't be between the physical and the spiritual. I mean, we use the term sacraments in the church, sacred things, sacred acts. And they all revolve around Jesus Christ, God who became man. He is the sacred divine in our world. He is the visible and the invisible. He is the mediator between God and man, heaven and earth, time and the eternal. They all overlap in Jesus and only in Jesus. And where Christ is present in his word and in his visible word, the sacraments, the transcendent has broken through. People may think us odd in a material world, but we need to reclaim the sacred. Introduce people to the sacred, that which is set apart from the ordinary. This is different. This is unlike anything else. Church is not a 
commonplace, though it is for common folk. But what happens in church is not what happens in the world. It's a very special place. And we have very special practices. We also have to get back to talking about the real dignity, the real dignity of humanity. That dignity does not come from within. Humans are dignified not because of their accomplishments, but because they are made in the image of their creator. That's what we've got to be talking about. We can also talk about the perfecting of humanity. Yeah, we can talk right along with humanitarianism about the perfecting of humanity, but we'll talk about it in the righting of the wrongs, the correcting of this world, that there are broken signposts in this world. Uh, They are signposts nonetheless, but they're pointing to that haunting, that longing for something better. We'll agree on that. But don't you want to say to someone that there's more to humanity than just chemicals and biology, properties and laws? I think so. If all that there is is material, if all that there is is physical, then we have lost purpose. So don't tell me what you want anymore. That is simply a result of your biochemistry processes. Change your diet and you'll be a different person. Really? Is that all it takes? Is that all who you are? There is so much we don't know. And as Christians, we're fine with that. And we need to remind the world of that fact. For example, we think we know a lot about the human body, but we really don't. Someone tells you to raise your right hand. How do you know how to raise your right hand? It's hard to answer exactly. Yes, we know that sound waves come into the ear, go to the brain, and all of a sudden the arm is lifted, the hand is raised. But beyond that, there's still lots of mystery exactly in how that happens. So much mystery in life. And we need to talk about that. We are fine with mystery. Just look at the variety in creation. That is mystifying. 900,000 different species of beetles in the world? How did that happen? Please don't tell me through evolution. No. If simple single-cell organisms evolved into complex organisms, how did that happen? It's just a theory. And how come the simple do not keep evolving? No. Evolution does not explain variety at all all, not the kind of variety we have in our world. Yet if we believe in an all-powerful creator who loves variety, as the Bible teaches, then we need to celebrate that. Our faith in God is not blind, 
Romans 1 verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. We need to talk about that. We need to talk about how we are fearfully and wonderfully made by a creator. We need to embrace what is transcendent, the mysterious, and not just what we can explain with our eyes and our reasons. We need to get back to the sacred, back to the holy things and the mysterious. And when the world finally tires of its pursuit of just the material, and when the world finally tires of its fixation on humanity and realizes that, whoa, we can't save ourselves, then we will be ready and waiting with the divine truth revealed to us in the Bible that tells us of our blind spot. Yep, that by, by na sinful nature, we think too highly of ourselves, that we need a savior outside of ourselves. And God has provided such in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen.